Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. And I'm going to ask you to stand one more time while I read two verses of Scripture. This is to honor the Word of the Lord and the God who spoke it and is going to speak it and expound it to us today, our Heavenly Father. Ephesians chapter 3. Be mindful of all of our announcements. And uh, let's bring somebody with us to church next Sunday. What do you say? How many believe that'd be a good thing? If you do, say amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Everybody say think. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God will bless his word today. I am going to preach with his help from this thought. What you think is what you get. What you think is what you get. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm sure that uh, some of you could probably quote this last verse or two of the chapter that I read from, chapter 3 of Ephesians, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I want you to notice here that this word think is not meant to convey some wild thought, wild thinking, or imagination that just runs rampant or wild. The word think here is not used to mean uh, something like fantasy or, or a dream that you do not think is possible. But the word think in this verse of Scripture is uh, put there to convey the meaning of what you really think God can do. He is, Paul says here, able to do exceedingly or exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or what we really think he can do. And those things, uh, it's talking about those things that are within the parameters that we think God has the power to accomplish, to bring to pass. And uh, I want to say today, I've said this before, sometimes a preacher needs to tell you what he's not preaching as well as what he is preaching. I'm not preaching to you today the power of positive thinking like the world preaches. Uh, I'm not preaching the thought or the theme you can think yourself into becoming rich. Uh, think and grow rich. I've heard that bannered about in the world in times past. Those are concepts that are talking about humans, what human beings can do under their own power or with their own resources. But I'm not preaching to you today about the power of humanity. I'm not in this pulpit today to talk about what man can do. I'm here to talk about what God can do. I want to preach to you today about the potential of our God. 
the God who has all power in heaven and in earth, the Bible says. It's his ability that I'm interested in talking about this afternoon. The God that we serve, not what I can do, not what you can do, not what anybody else can do. I want to present to you today what God can do. How many believe we serve a great big God? Amen. Now, you may think I'm uh, straining at a gnat or uh, kind of being uh, picky, but I want to again point out what the apostle is writing here. He did not say that God will or would do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He said God could do it. Didn't say he would do it because you got your seatbelt on. Probably he will not. Probably God will not do what we think. Most of the time he doesn't, and there is a reason, a good reason, and the reason is that most of the time we don't ask God and we don't think God can do it. The key word in this verse is the word above. Put that verse up again. Brother Terry, verse number 20. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask, what we can think. Paul says God can do that. He usually doesn't, though. He usually does what we do ask him for. Paul says God can do more than that. He can do above that. He can do above what we ask him for, but he usually only does what we ask him for. Now, let's think about that for a few minutes here today. Uh, we, we've all enjoyed uh, those times in our life. I have. I know you have. Most of you have pleasant surprises in our lives when God comes on the scene when we didn't expect him to, and uh, we didn't pray we didn't ask God to supernaturally uh, work a miracle for us, but he surprised us with a miracle, and, and he did something for us that we may even never have thought of asking him to or that he might do. How many of you have enjoyed that kind of surprise in your walk with God? Amen. Those are very blessed times. Those are wonderful occasions in our lives. But I'm telling you today that most of what we receive from God, most all of the time comes because we ask him for it, and we ask him for it in faith. As a matter of fact, that's the plan that God gave to us. He said very often, especially in the New Testament, he talked about asking and seeking and knocking. He taught us to ask in faith, whatsoever you desire, ask, and you shall receive. He taught us to ask and uh, to believe when we ask. But this apostle, the apostle Paul, writing in this scripture, takes a step by which we receive the miraculous from God in our lives. He takes it one step further back. He starts with the thought. As a matter of fact, the process uh, is given to us in just three words in this verse 20. Put it up one more time, brother. Maybe it'll be the last time. Now unto him that is able to do. Everybody say do. How many of you have enjoyed when God does something for you? 
Sure, I like to see God do things. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Everybody say ask. He does uh, most of what we ask for. But Paul takes it one step further back in that process. He says ask or think. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, the process of receiving has to flow through asking, and the process of asking begins with thinking. You have to think of it. If you don't think of it, then you never ask for it. You have to think of it before you ask God for it. It's, it's a, a, a thought that's born in our mind. I, I think God can do this, or I think God can do that. So I believe I'll pray about it, and I'll ask him uh, to do those things. It begins with a thought. Now, you may think I'm belaboring the point that I'm sticking with it too long, but I want you to understand something today. Paul did not say that God would do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think because he probably will not. It first has to be thought of and asked for in faith. You know, I believe that there's much to be gained by observing people, um, I've known of people who like to go to the mall just to sit on the bench and watch other people walk by. Uh, I'm not really that into people watching myself, but I do uh, find it interesting to watch uh, people from time to time, and particularly not just in a moment's time, but watch them as they make their way through life. And as a pastor, of course, I've been privileged to be able to watch uh, or observe a lot of people as they go throughout the process of living their life. And I particularly enjoy watching people who are blessed of God. I like watching people receive good things from the hand of the Lord. I, I like, uh, it, it does my heart good to watch God pour out blessings upon uh, people's lives and upon their families. The Bible says, blessed is the man, or blessed are they, and that means more than just uh, favored are they, but that means God's blessing is upon them. And so I, I am preaching to people here today. Some of you have been blessed mightily by God, and others not so much. I, I've watched it down through the years. I've seen people... Uh, endure the same trials and the same situations, uh, whether it's, uh, well, I won't get into specifics, but uh, I've watched one family who sits on one side of the auditorium go through a particular storm, and they endure that. And then another family who sits uh, perhaps in a different row on the other side of the church building, and they go through the same series of circumstances, the same trial as this one over here. And this family comes through with flying colors, blessed of God, and I watch the other family throw in the towel and get angry, get mad at God, get bitter, turn their back on the church and, and, and go out and backslide and see their families torn and ravaged by the devil with no sign of the blessings of the Lord in their lives. What is the difference between the two? Well, I'm going to tell you there are some keys there are some differences that you would be wise to search for. There are some reasons for God's blessing on our lives. 
One of the things about people uh, that are blessed by God is this. Whenever they face a difficulty, whenever they face a challenge that they go through, whenever they encounter something that is some kind of adversity, they think that God is big enough. They think that God is powerful enough and that he's wise enough to see them through. They think he can do it. Now, some people don't think God can get them through their little dilemma, and you can spend all day trying to convince them that God can do it, but you'll not convince them. They don't think God can handle their problem, but then there's these other folks uh, who do believe it, and, and the devil can try to tell them all day long that they're through, that they're finished, that it's over with, it's hopeless in their situation, and you know what? They'll look the devil and every demon in hell right in the eye and say, I think my God's big enough. I think he has the answer. I think he has the solution. I think he can see me through. I think he can do it. I, I just believe it. I think God can do it. Hallelujah. You, you got to think right. 90% of the victory that comes through faith, and it has to come through faith, believing in God, starts in your mind. I said faith begins in the mind. I, I think God can do this. I just think he can. And that thought passes uh, from the mind down through the corridors of the heart and joins with the spirit. And then the spirit transforms that thought into faith and Faith rises up and lays hold on the hem of his garment and hangs on until virtue flows and the prayers answer it and the miracle happens. But it started in the mind. It started with, I think God can do it. I believe he can. I think my God can handle this. I don't think there's anything too hard for my God. I think God can see me through this. When you walked into this place today, some of you walked with your head hanging down, maybe not physically, actually, but in your spirit and in your heart. And maybe you're going through something this afternoon that nobody else knows about. Maybe there's a few who do. But something happened in this service. Maybe nobody else felt it. Maybe it didn't happen for anybody else, but somebody spoke a word. Maybe it was something in one of the songs that somebody sang. Maybe it was just the atmosphere of the service. But you walked in here, and something has happened to you in the course of this service, and your mind is thinking right now, you know, I think I can get what I need from God. If that's you, if you think that, then you are 90% of the way, maybe 95% of the way there. Amen. Someone's walked into this house today and says, I, I don't have what these people got, these Pentecostals, these tongue talkers, but I want it. I want it. I think I can get it. You're almost there. I think I can. You walked in here perhaps with an affliction or an illness or in pain. And something about the power of God's presence that has filled this room has caused you to think, I, I think I can get healed today. 
I think this is the day God can deliver me from my high blood pressure. Or I think this is the day that, that God can turn things around. And the next time I go to the doctor for the report, I'll get the report. The cancer's gone. We can't find it anymore. You see, our, our mentality, our thinking, or the, the boundaries of our thinking, that's the only limitations that God knows in working with his people. Whether it's here today, in this service, something you need God to do, or perhaps a situation in your home or in your family. It, it may be some problem. I'm telling you today, the only limitations that our God knows is how we think. Don't tell me that the devil is big enough to stop our God. Don't tell me that the circumstances of this world have gotten so bad that they have bound and hindered my God. Don't even try to tell me there's something wrong with our Pentecostal doctrine. I don't have time to talk to you about that. Don't try to tell me that living holy for God is a hindrance to God moving in this church. The only thing that stands between us and everything that God would like to give us is the way we think. Hallelujah. You believe that, Pastor? I believe that. I'll prove it to you. Jesus walked into his hometown of Nazareth on the Sabbath day. He went to church. He went into the synagogue, and the Bible says he began to read. He'd done it several times previously, and there was really nothing so much new about this day his visit there, but he did say on this particular occasion, I, I want to read from the book of Isaiah. And so he read from Isaiah's prophecies about how the Messiah was to come. And then he looked around at all of them that were in that house, and he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In so many words, he said, well, Isaiah said he was coming, but I stopped by church on this Sunday afternoon here in Nazareth to let you know I'm here. And, and oh, what a, what a, a monumentous day that was. Uh, the Messiah had come to his hometown, Nazareth, and, and God himself who had stepped out of glory and stepped upon this planet that he created by his own word. That God of all creation showed up for church that day, and yet the Bible says that nothing of any significance or any consequence really happened that day and that Jesus really couldn't work miracles. It says he was unable to do any great work, only healing a few sick folk. And the reason was, it's in that scripture. We're not going to read it. Read it when you get home. The reason he couldn't do what he wanted to do as God, what he was able to do as God, was because they thought they thought, they thought, this, isn't this just Joseph the carpenter's son? It wasn't the devil. I want to tell you something. Sometimes we, uh, even me as a pastor, we blame the enemy when uh, things don't happen in a church service like we want them to. We blame the devil a whole lot more than what he is guilty of. 
This day in that hometown of Jesus, it wasn't the devil. It wasn't immorality. It wasn't vile, wicked sin in those people's lives who lived in that town. It wasn't even a lack of obedience. The reason he left that place and they didn't have revival in Nazareth was because they thought. It was what they thought, their thought life that hindered Jesus that hindered God from doing great things. He left that place having done no great work just because they thought this is just Joseph the carpenter's son. Listen, I'm telling somebody here today, the only chains on God's hands, the only hindrance that has him bound, the only thing that's stopping him, uh, that's standing between him and us, the only thing that hinders us from receiving what we need and want from God, from receiving revival, the only thing that's hindering this church from turning this city upside down for God is the way that we think. We've got the right doctrine. We've got the right lifestyle. We've got the right fellowship. We've got all the right ingredients. We've got truth. God, somehow help us on this Sunday afternoon in March. Help us with the way that we think. I'm telling somebody here today, the only thing standing between you and your miracle that you need from God is the way you think. Because with God, what you think is what you get. Hallelujah. Dear God, help us to pray this prayer every day. Enlarge my capacity to, to, to feel and believe and think about you, God. You know, sometimes we are the victim of the mentality of those that are around us, our family, our friends sometimes even the saints of God. And uh, most of us, not all of us, not all of the time, but most of the time, most of us accept the limitations of the thinking of those around us, those that we keep company with. We are the victims of their mentality. If you think it's possible, if you think it's possible, then God can do it. I said, God can do it. I, I, I get my idea of, of what God can do from you, and I pass along that idea of what he might do. When we come to church service, I pass that on to somebody else, and then they pass that on to somebody else, and pretty soon we've made a, a circle. And, and sometimes if it's the wrong kind of thinking, then that hinders God from doing what he wants to do. And we think in ruts. Let me tell you something today. You need to be reminded. If I have to, uh, as a pastor of this church, remind you every Sunday, preach on it every Sunday for a while to remind you of this, we need to be reminded of it. Our God is bigger than what you have ever thought him to be. God's bigger than you can ever think he is or ever dream of He of him being. What you think is what you get where God is concerned because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. Hallelujah. I'm convinced from my reading of church history, there were over 50,000 believers, 
Christians in the city of Jerusalem not long after the day of Pentecost and the church started there. I'm convinced, as uh, according to my reading, there were over 85,000 tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled children of God in the city of Ephesus. They turned their city upside down for God. Listen, I don't think the devil is the one that can ever stop us from having revival in Mount Vernon. Amen. I, I, I think God can make every one of you a soul winner if you let him. I think every one of you can teach Bible studies if you let him. Some of you don't because you don't think you can because the enemy has put that thought in your mind. I don't think I can. And you've bought into hell's lies. I think God can give this church revival. I think God can give us unity like we've never known before. I think God can deliver you from whatever has you bound and shackled and in prison in your life. But you, you've got to think it before God can do it. And I'm here today to try to, with the help of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, help you loose, set free your thinking so you can understand that God can do exceeding, exceeding, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You say, well, pastor, how's it going to happen? What's got to happen for that to happen? It's not happening. I'll tell you what has to happen. We have to change our thinking. If it's not happening, if the deliverance that you want and need in your life isn't taking place, you've got to change what you're thinking about God and his involvement in your life and in your situation. Two things I want to leave you before I'm done here today. Number one, it's going to take for us to change our thinking. It's going to take a work of the Spirit. Behavioral patterns are very difficult to change. Habits are hard to break. But you can do it. Uh, and there's different degrees of difficulty depending on the habit and whatever the addiction or the habit may be. But you can change behavioral patterns. But, but you get into the brain and the process of thinking. Thought patterns take a work of the Holy Ghost. And if you're not willing to stay full of the Holy Ghost every day of your life, if you're not willing to let the Holy Ghost have full reign and control in your life, then you will never extradite. You'll never free yourself from those long-standing thought patterns that have kept you bound all this time. You'll think about it the way you think about it right now until the day you die. Unless you let the Holy Ghost help you change the way you think. It takes a work of the Spirit, a work of the Holy Ghost. Secondly, somebody has to challenge our mentality, our thinking. Somebody has to come along and challenge the way we think. It was, uh, it was a very dark Troubling time in Israel's history. The situation I'm thinking of in the Old Testament. King Saul had already 
sinned by going into the place of the priesthood and doing things he never should have done, offering sacrifices in Samuel's place. Samuel had already denounced him and rebuked him and predicted his downfall. And, and Israel was overrun by their enemy, the Philistines, and the armies were hiding in caves and dungeons. And, and, and Jonathan, Saul's son, David, the little shepherd boy, who by this time had become a fighting warrior about to take over the throne of Israel in just a few days or weeks, Jonathan, his best friend, got to thinking, Jonathan, Saul's son, and he got to thinking like this, you know, it just doesn't seem like it ought to be like this. We're God's people. We are the chosen nation. How many of you feel that way today? Amen. Do you feel that Jesus' name baptized, Holy Ghost-filled people are the children of God? I hope you do. It doesn't seem right that we're hanging around, hiding in dens and caves and dungeons and oppressed and beat down. We're a nothing and a nobody. That's what Jonathan was thinking, and that's what none of us should ever think, but some of us are. Think what you want, my friend. The New Testament church was a powerful force in the earth at that time. They affected the decisions of governments, of civilizations that ruled the entire world. The church affected the entire course of human history in their existence. Those one God, Jesus' name, tongue-talking people. Sometimes it just doesn't seem to me, it doesn't seem right that people don't know who we are and where we are and what's going on with us and our message it doesn't seem right, and I, I hope a few more of us get stirred up by that thought and, and think with your pastor that way. I, I think that in this end time that God is going to elevate his church all over the world to a position of power and influence in this world. They're going to know who we are. They're going to know what we stand for. They're going to know how we live. They're going to know what we believe. And it's important for you to believe it. Jonathan got to thinking, oh, this don't seem right. He got to thinking, if I had, I believe if I had 10,000 soldiers, I'd go fix those Philistines. I'd take care of this in short order. And then he got to thinking some more. Well, it's really God that does it anyway. It's God that fights for us on the battlefield. This was one of Israel's famous soldiers, Jonathan, the king's son. So I wouldn't need 10,000 if I just had 5,000. Well, we'd turn this situation around. Oh, yes, we would. Well, you know, God, me and 5,000, really, God does it anyway. I, I, I think 1,000 and me and God could do it. And he kept thinking like that. And he thought, you know what? If, if God, maybe God, me, and a couple of hundred could do it. Because it's really God doing it anyway. 
and he thought about it some more, and he got to thinking about how big God is. That's all we really need to do in our situation. I said, we need to think more about how big our God is. Don't tell me he can't do it. If he can't do it, it's because you don't think that he can do it. Don't tell me you can't have revival in your family. Don't tell me you can't have revival in your home, among your children or your parents. Don't tell me we can't have revival in the city of Mount Vernon. If we don't have it, it's because we don't think we can. I think we can. I said, I think we can. I think God's big enough. I think he's got all the answers that we need. I think he can give us the power. Amen. I think he can give us direction. I think he can. I said, I think he can. If you don't think he can, I don't want to talk to you. My faith is too precious. It's too valuable. It's taken me too long to get my faith in the place that it's in. And I'm not going to let you or anybody else steal it. I think he can. I think God's big enough. I think he's powerful enough. I think God can do anything if we'll let him. If we'll let him. I think God can give us revival in this church. I think God can save your family. I think God can give you revival in your home. I think he can do it. You need to start thinking like that. I, I think God can heal me. I think God can heal me right now before I leave this building. I think God can give me the answer right now. So Jonathan thought this thing through real good. He said, you know what? I don't think I even need a hundred soldiers. I don't think if it's God and me, God needs a vessel. I said, God needs a vessel to flow through. He said, if it's God and me, I, I don't even need a dozen. He turned and he spoke to his armor bearer and he said, you know what? You know what I think? He really don't need you and he don't need me. He's just going to include us because he's going to let us in on the action. He can really do it all by himself, but he loves us enough to include us when he works his mighty works. Amen. He, he really can do it himself, but there's no Philistine army that's a real problem for God. And the Bible says that Jonathan and his armor bearer went into that situation and they won a battle over a, a, a great number of Philistines, enemy soldiers. And God, through that, brought deliverance to the entire nation of Israel through that one battle that God gave Jonathan because Jonathan challenged the thinking of the Israelites. What we need is somebody who is willing to rise up and say, I think God is big enough. God can do it in this city. God can do it in your home. That's what we need. We need some folks under the sound of my voice to say that and to believe that. I think God 
can give us revival like we have never experienced it before in history. I am so mad at the devil for putting off ideas and concepts on us and us buying into it about what we can't do. If you don't think it's going to happen, then it won't happen. But if you think it can happen, it can happen. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, and I ask you to do that so you won't be distracted while you decide what you're going to do right now in responding to what God is saying to you right now. If you're, if you're one of those who says, Pastor, I, I, I don't think, stop right there. You just stay right where you are because as for me and my house, we're going on to victory. I said, we're going on through to victory. Why? Because pastor believes God can do it. And we at this church are right at a juncture. We're at a crossroads where you're going to have to make up your mind for yourself as an individual. Do you think God can do it for this church or not? Do you think God can do it for your family, for your home or not? I, I think he can. I think he can. God won't do it until you ask him. That's the way he works. That's the way he operates. And you're not going to ask him until you think it. If you think God can do it, then why don't you ask him right now? This altar is open, and I'm asking everybody who's bold enough to think God can do it for them, for your family, for your life, for this church, whatever it may be. I want you to make your way down here to this altar. You got plenty of time. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.